Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving higher in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving higher. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Chip Nelger. This edition of Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. More information call Call well, you can call Axon too, but you can just go to their email or their website at axontire.com and they will be happy to talk to you about all your tire needs. Axon Tire's got a couple great promotions for the Moving Iron Podcast listeners. If you'd like a free pair of work gloves, send an email to marketing at axontire.com and they'll send you out those a free pair of work gloves. And also, if you're planning on attending the Moving Iron Summit, come up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 11th through the 13th. Uh, you can get um, $50 off your registration fee by using the term Axon at checkout there. So send me an email at movingironpodcast and movingironpodcast.com, and I'll make sure that it's taken care of. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs at Valley Transportation. Our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. Their dealer connects CRMI app with the integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create a connected customer experience and transform how you work today. Chip is with Blue Reef Atomark, Atomark, Agri-Marketing, not Atomarketing. Agri marketing out of Morton, Illinois, and he's nice enough to come on. Let's see what's happening in the marketplace. Chip, how are you doing this morning? Hey, doing well, Casey. A lot of, lot of stuff going on. Pretty timely uh, yep. uh, podcast here. We got uh, the election and yep. harvest getting wrapped up. Crop report today. Mm-hmm. Got uh, some inflation numbers out. Man, there's a there's continues to be a lot affecting these markets. Everything's hanging on one simple thread, isn't it? I mean, it seems like you can't you can't go anywhere without you know if the crop report comes out and it's down. A tenth of a bushel is going to go, market's going to go crazy. If it's up a tenth of a bushel, it's going to go crazy in the opposite direction. The CPI report that comes out today is going to have uh, a big impact on the uh, outside markets and what that's going on. Yeah. 
you look what's going on in Brazil. They're having they're setting themselves up for a record crop, but you go just a little bit to the uh, to the south and to the east, and you run into Argentina, and they're dry as a bone, and they're all the stuff that you see happening there. So, a million different things to talk about this morning, Chip. But let's talk about this report coming up first. As you take a look at what's going on there, the market, you know, usually the November report's not a big deal. It's, you know, you kind of lead in November and December and then, you, you know, the January ones, what everyone's waiting for. But there's going to be some big implications that come out of this report, no matter what happens, I, I, if, if they miss the mark one way or the other chip. So I guess as you're looking at it, talking to guys in the trade and those kind of things, talking to your customer base, what do you think the market's expectations are and where do you see uh, that, that peg landing? Yeah. So a lot of confusion out there, you know, and it really depends on where you're at. And, and, you know, I think your, your individual crop kind of clouds it, right? If you're out your way, um, you're looking at uh, a horrible crop. In some cases, guys had the worst crop ever, worse than 2012. You're sitting out saying, man, this, this yields have to go down. <clears throat> and then you're over here in parts of Illinois and Indiana, and you just uh, are finishing up the, the biggest crop ever, uh, or maybe second biggest ever in some cases. And you're like, wow, this yield's got to go up. It's a fantastic crop. So, you know, it's clouded by where you're at and what your individual crop size was. It makes it that much harder to figure out what's out there. Uh, as much as we, uh, myself, uh, you know, cuss the, the USDA and why they do this and why they do that, and they're so stupid. The, the, the one thing that uh, they do have is um, a lot of data points, right? They have a lot of samples out there. And so you got to go by it. And, and, you know, I think it's a little bit up in the air and which is why uh, a move one way or the other on uh, yields could cause, uh, you know, a pretty major uh, shift in prices in here. Uh, I, I, slowly though, you hit on this earlier, um, the world numbers might be slowly overshadowing. We had CONAB, which is kind of the equivalent, if you want to think of that, of the USDA in Brazil, <clears throat> sort of government, um, uh, you know, agricultural agency. They came out with some numbers and they actually increased their planted acreage uh, on beans. So this is starting to be a big thing. Um, and, and, you know, early on, things have gone pretty well for them with their planting. They're kind of on the downside of planting. And they're uh, right now estimated like 153 and a half million metric ton crop. A lot of that because of extra planted acreage. And, um, you know, in spite of, I mean, I, I, I find it funny going off on a total tangent here you know every year it seems like oh high fertilizer pri fertilizer prices high input prices we're not going to expand acres in brazil and every year it's like one to two percent increase in acres just rock solid every single year for like the last five years um yeah. it, it, it's you know and they have millions of acres not i'm not even talking rainforest acres millions of acres they could continue to bring into production i don't know why they wouldn't at this point uh because uh you know they're they're destroying us on productivity and transportation and you name it largely because of billions of dollars from uh, China. But uh, I no. go off on a tangent there. The bottom line well, is Chip. I think, I think <laughs> the world numbers are starting to cloud us a little bit here and, you know, growth has slowed uh, in the economy, particularly in China. They've come out with their numbers as far as what they've imported on beans. It's come uh, way down. And um, bottom line here is if Mother Nature's um, supportive for Brazil for the next, you know, 75 days or so, uh, they're going to have all that China needs. And, um, you know, we just uh, are in the process of finishing up harvest here of uh, pretty good sized bean crop. And we got some some issues out there with supplies. So 
you know, that's, I think, yeah. slowly but surely what's going to take over and overshadow what our yield uh, is or isn't. And by January, you're going to know a lot more. And, and it may, be, may not even matter what our yield was if Brazil looks like they're going to have a massive crop. There's some people thinking now 156 million metric ton crop. I mean, you're knocking on the door of a 6 billion bushel crop down there, potentially. And it's just enormous. It's unfathomable how big that crop size is. We're going to have like a 4.3, 4.4 billion bushel crop. They're going to have north of five and a half billion, potentially, maybe closer to six. That's a, that's a problem out there. With all that being said, I'm still rambling, Casey. Boy, you, you, you caught me full of caffeine or something today. You're <laughs> knocking on the door, $14 new crop beans. I think that's an opportunity out here that people need to really yeah. uh, take a close look at. For the 23 crop that, um, you know, we're just finishing up planting the 20 or, or harvesting the 22 crop. Mm -hmm. People kind of focus, what should I do on 22? Let's not lose sight of 23. You're knocking on the door at 14 bucks out there for November 23 soybeans. Yeah. Yeah. So you're looking at, okay, so I was, was going to be my next kind of follow-up question um, as you were going there. As you look at um, the China COVID policies and those things kind of come into play and how that plays out, you've got world supply at all-time record lows um you've got brazil on the verge of a of a massive crop what that looks like moving into a, a out of la nina into el nino uh here in the united states we we could have massive crops in the u.s massive crops in brazil what that looks like i guess you know if your crystal ball is anything like mine it's cracked and cloudy so you don't see much kind of useless but you know looking looking out you know this time next year chip assuming that everything paces like think it's going to pace and assuming things go the way they've historically gone with varying um uh, weather patterns and those kind of things i mean we're we're one year away from kind of set resetting supply to where we have enough world supply and everything and not an abundance by any means but we're we're right back to where we needed to be and then you stack another you know massive crop on top of that in 24 25 we could we could be headed to that you know, that proverbial $3 corn thing, $4 corn thing, you know, nine, $10 beans things all over again, I guess. I mean, are you thinking about that? Are you, are you, is that on the forefront of your mind right now? Uh, it is. Uh, it really is. And, you know, there's always that we've had a heck of a run higher here. Even though inputs have come uh, up dramatically, you know, doubled and tripled in some cases the last two or three years uh, in general, um, unless you, you know, were hit hard by the drought, and there were a lot of people that were. Then crop insurance becomes the discussion there. Generally speaking, uh, farm revenue and income <clears throat> has been really good the last few years. Uh, inputs are high. As we make this transition, if we make this transition to where um, supply overtakes demand and we kind of rebuild world stock levels again, the, the issue always becomes you drop prices faster than what, you know, inputs stay here prices drop and you kind of get everything upside down. I don't know if 23 is going to be that year, 24 and 25 might be, um, you know, more like that. It's hard to think out, you know, there's December 25 core, 24 corn on the board. It's not at a great level right now, not knowing what inputs are going to do. Uh, it, it's a great concern out there, but it's hard to manage that far out. Um, yeah, you could make some sales out there. You've got contracts on the board that you could hedge stuff, but the input side is a real wild card. So, you know, I, again, I, I think the first and foremost, we need to focus on the 23. Um, there's lots of creative things um, I, I'm, I'm thinking about the, out there, lots of option strategies. 
There's some spread positions that a guy could could think about if we turn the corner and start take these markets out of um, an inversion, meaning the front month contract is higher than the next month out and the next month after that, mm-hmm. and build carry back in the market as we build supplies. There's going to be some spread plays uh, that we could um, you know put in place to help enhance our margins as well. It's going to get really difficult and. The thing, um, myself included, I think we got to turn our brain a different direction because for three years, I mean, every price break, you know, farmers are like, I got storage, I've got some cash, I don't need to, you know, get in a panic here. And prices always come back, you know, it rewards uh, patience. Yeah. And there'll be a time, and I'm not sure that it's right now. I, I think we might have out into the winter time frame. There'll be a time that the market breaks and it doesn't come back and um, that will wake people up and that will be painful if you haven't uh, prepared for that uh, possibility. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're, I think you're right there. There's a lot of stuff hedging there. So you start looking at world supply again, kind of going back to that. You start looking at like France, obviously they have a, they have a big, um, you know, wheat export forecast cut that they've been talking about uh, and what that looks like. So that's going to be a big deal. Europe right now is still, um, we're having some warm weather, wetter weather than they've had in, you know, this kind of, so there's some opportunities to see a few things, a few things happen there. But, you know, um, man, I tell you what, China is still running into the same inflationary issues that we are seeing right now. And you start looking at um, what we see happen here. And I think the CPI comes out today will be a will be a i think a, a turning point rich possons on this podcast um a pretty regular and uh he you know he talked about he would think sometime in november and december that when those reports came out that they would start seeing a turn of the corner and we'd start seeing that 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 inflationary thing kind of kind of heading off and he's going to be on this week so i mean I'm, I'm i'm really looking forward to what he has to say but it really feels like the inflationary you know little train that could is just building up more steam and steam and steam. It feels like this just they're not getting ahead of it. And, um, but they're also not, you know, they keep flipping switches and, and don't wait for the lights to come on before they flip the next switch. So I guess looking at that chip, I mean, what do you, what are your thoughts when you look, start looking at the inflationary issues we see around the world and how that's affecting what we see in exports and, and how we see, you know, just our, the dollar strength and how that affects everything. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot to unpack there that's going to have a huge effect on on our prices too, right? I mean, if you think about how fast we went from essentially zero interest rates to, I don't even know where we're at now, 4%. Yeah. Um, it, we went there so fast, there's no possible way that it's trickled through the world economy yet or the U.S. economy to kind of show us what the, uh, the immediate effects of that are going to be. So there's always a three to six month lag. So you look out here in the next spring, you're still going to start seeing, uh, you know, the effects of these rapid interest rate increases kind of trickle through the the economy, both here and across the world. There's already signs that we've, we've slowed down, but the, the federal reserve, you know, so far hasn't shown any signs that, uh, you know, they're going to put the brakes on this thing or even put it into neutral and coast for a, a couple months. So that's part of it. And what, that does is, you know, they made the air on the downside. They waited too long to, um, and thought inflation was going to be transitory, right? Uh, it's not transitory. You know, we're a year and a half into it. Um, they waited too long to do it. They're probably going to air 
the other way and raise too fast. And then all of a sudden, you're going to see things just seize up. You might already be seeing that uh, with some of the things out there, you know, some big tech companies. Um, uh, you know, Facebook's going to let go 11,000 people. Uh, FedEx, some of these bigger uh, companies, trucking companies, yeah. they're showing signs that they're slowing down. So, you know, right in the face of the of the Fed saying, oh, we're going another three quarters of a percent, another three quarters of a percent. We might go three quarters of a percent uh, next month, too. But um, if not, maybe 50 percent uh, or, or, you know, a half a basis point. Yeah, it's just mind boggling, you know, and, and eventually we're going to hit the hit the brick wall going 75 miles an hour and, and swing the other way. That's part of the assumption of the stock market that's uh, rallied here off the lows. What, 16, 17% uh, off of the previous lows is the hope that the USDA stops raising interest rates and we can see a soft landing. Well, I, I don't know, you know, a, a plane uh, flying into a mountain, how soft that is. But uh, the stock market sure thinks that it's uh, a soft landing as possible. I'm not so sure about that. I, I think that we got bigger problems. And that's a bigger fear I have here too. We talked about if world crops grow, right? We'd have massive amounts of problems. We've had two years of droughts here, two years of drought in South America. We had the worst drought ever, arguably, in uh, Europe. And we have a war in Ukraine. You know, all those things together greatly curtailed supply. So if we get back to normal and rebuild supplies at the same time that all these interest rate increases slow the world growth down, that's just going to make it that much more um, exaggerated. So China's a big part of this. They're trying to pull the levers and flip the switches, like you said. I don't know how how successful they're going to be. Um, they're sure not going to tell you that they weren't successful until it's uh, you know a year after the fact and widely known by the, the rest of the world. You're not going to get the information out of them. Apparently. This thing is, dude, I, I'm trying not to be too doom and gloom, yeah. but it's a little bit scary out there what's... Uh, you know, what's, what's starting to transpire. And, and again, I don't, I'm not saying go out today and sell five years worth of crops. Um, I, I'm not saying that, um, we're going to have some opportunities, I think, but, uh, by late winter, we better have, um, a pretty solid plan for the rest of our 22 crop, what we're going to do on 23 and maybe some ideas on how we could in a fairly low risk way, not a zero risk, but a low risk way uh, be starting to think about 24 production as well. Um, you know, three, four months is a small window here. So we've got some time, but I, I think it's, uh, it is critical. It's more critical than it's been in my opinion in five, six years to really zero in on your plan, refocus, don't figure on these four or $500 net profit margins per acre, uh, anymore. Uh, if you get them fine, but, uh, things are starting to shrink and we got to manage for that instead of, uh, expecting three or four hundred dollars an acre net profit right absolutely yeah no those are all uh, those are all things that, and the inflationary issue that we see is is global there's not a place on on the planet where there's not some level of an inflationary issue um going on right now so all right so speaking of inflation and what that does you start looking at the price of proteins whether it's pork or, or beef or chicken or whatever it is that you got out there they're all very widely uh uh infected by this inflation thing right so i guess looking at the cattle market right now chip had a great day monday um you know saw a few things kind of bounce around yesterday but for the most part the cattle price has been holding in there uh pretty aggressively yeah they have and in you know surprisingly in spite of some big numbers of cattle on feed you know we continue to 
see uh, breeding stock liquidated. That's, you know, going uh, well past a, a year now, a couple years uh, into this uh, drought in a lot of areas. And so far, we've held this thing together really well. Um, high feed ingredient costs, I know that. We're crimping the margins just a little bit. Uh, but in that same discussion we're having about slowing world growth potentially um, really could be um, a concern on the livestock side. So, you know, again, uh, no different from a grain producer. Right. Um, you got to have a plan. You, you gotta, you know, know your margins. You gotta lock them in when you've got it. Uh, it, it the strategies out there to retain upside or capture upside if prices do continue to rally, um, but lock the downside price risk in and and lock profits in when you see it. Um, it's going to be a really difficult time. It's already challenging for the uh, livestock producer, whether you're, you know, poultry, pork, beef, uh, high feed costs. The poultry guys now kind of fighting this avian flu in areas, uh, not a good situation there. And, um, you know, it's difficult, but hopefully we can start seeing some better rainfall and get this cow calf guy healed up a little bit, get some better grass and pasture conditions and uh, allow him to get some, uh, you know, get some cows back out uh, on the pasture. And and it's going to take a few months to do that, but uh, slowly but surely, hopefully we can heal things back up, but uh, no, no changes there. I mean, it's going to be a treacherous ride based on, um, you know, inflation and world growth and, you know, how much higher interest rates are going to slow the consumer down and, and uh, demands the big, the big piece of that puzzle that we don't know going forward based on world economies. Yep. Yep. That is a, it's a very good point. Um, Chip, as you're looking around at the hog market right now, what do you see happening there? Yeah, I kind of same thing. You know, we haven't um, due to inflation numbers and, uh, you know, supply of, of of building materials and labor. We haven't increased uh, the hog herd as what uh, as much as you might expect. So, on the one hand, things look really good out there. Um, you always make the argument, well, if the consumer is starting to get um, you know squeezed a little bit, they're going to go to lower cut, lower priced um, you know protein. That's where poultry and and uh, pork come in. Uh, that argument's still out there. But again, you know, I think we got to watch this really closely. There's some pretty good levels that we've seen, um, you know, out there clear out into next spring and summer. I think we need to keep a close eye on that. And, you know, yes, it looks bright out there. I don't think you're going to see a lot of expansion in hogs. It's going to keep the supply kind of tight, but the supply is only part of it. And the demands, the other part of that, that, you know, again, is, is the wild unknown in here. And if the rest of, you know, whatever the stock market takes another break and there's this, you know, kind of general negativity about, world growth, you know, anything's going to be susceptible to kind of being caught up in a washout if that happens. And, you know, hogs aren't uh, immune to it. So I still think you, you take the, the strength that you see in the seasonal timeframes, you go out into, you know, winter and, and next spring and summer, when you start seeing strength out there, when it makes sense and the margins are there, you got to take some action and, and lock that in because, you know, the grain market, uh, all our markets show this. It's not just about the fundamentals of any particular market. There's things out there that make, you know, in some cases, um, no difference to our markets. But since everything's so interrelated and these funds are trading this, uh, you know, massive amount of leverage money and the money flows in and out of markets really quickly, no market is immune to, uh, you know, getting caught up in, in a washout and, you mm-hmm. know, 
grains, hogs, cattle, it doesn't matter. You, I think the take home is we gotta, um, you know, really sharpen our pencil going into 23 and, and, uh, get that plan and, and execution of that plan is going to be, um, you know, what separates uh, the winners from the losers, I think. Execution is always the hard part, isn't it, Chip? <laughs> it is. You can have the best plan in the world, but if you don't execute on it, uh, it's it's not worth much more than the paper it's written on. Exactly right. All right, Chip, appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Chip, if people want to reach out to you and get more information about what you're doing at Blue Reef, what's the best way to do that? Uh, best way, just call our office, 309-550-7213. We'd, we'd love to chat with you. Uh, treacherous times out there. Don't want to be too doom and gloom, but, man, we got to sharpen the pencils here going into 23. So we'd love to chat with you and uh, talk about what your plan is and how you might be able to improve your risk management plan. Right on. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure to check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC on LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast and the ever so cleverly named Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel, which that's on YouTube. So check that out. And uh, you can see the video version of this podcast right here. Uh, anything Moving Iron related, check out movingironllc.com for all the latest information, blog posts, on the entire podcast library, as well as information from Moving Iron Summit. That'll have some information up there here directly. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Chip Nelgo. Let's move some iron folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's IronComps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century.